go ahead with our power hour for this afternoon um and you know I, uh, how how can we say i mean we just can't we don't just don't have words to express the goodness of god in our lives in spite of all the obstacles that we may come up come upon that may be presented before us god is so wonderfully good amen amen i'm going to um this afternoon i want to share with you a, a topic a theological imperative if you would put it that way a biblical um, pivotal um, you know expediency that guides us in our faith and we as followers of Christ and believers in God our Father uh, we don't talk about it as much as we talk about other important uh, theological subjects and I don't know I, I myself um, don't talk about it enough don't share it enough and it's you know it's one of the covenants in the Bible so I just wanted to share with you this afternoon about the Davidic covenant the Davidic covenant we uh, perhaps as Christians speak more about the Abrahamic uh, covenant the covenant between Abraham and God how it relates to us but I don't think uh, at least I don't hear and I don't read uh, to the same extent about the Davidic covenant certainly as we read the scripture as we share uh, contemporarily with, uh, with our readings and things that we uh, talk about and share as Christians and as we understand Judeo-Christianity a lot is spoken about David. I have made that in my remarks uh, and in my sermons many times. That part of it, I've tried to stress how to this day uh, the people of Hebrew descent, the people, the, the Jews, still have as a, at, at their forefront in their religious experience, uh, to a great extent, David, and not to get into a theological tossle here, but uh, maybe even more than Abraham. It's not taken away, it's not putting one above the other, or that's not the whole purpose of it. Um, there are myriad theological perspectives of it, and I don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, take. Uh, it's not the essence of what I want to share this afternoon. 
in fact and indeed um, the Davidic covenant is so expansive so profound in many ways uh, and there's a lot of depth to it and also a lot of material to it that I wouldn't even attempt to even scratch the surface this afternoon I'd just like to share a few points with you maybe even just a point uh, or too much I don't know I hope not but um, I'll try to do that as succinctly as I can uh, I, I'm I, I am going to expand this by the grace of God uh, in a sermon that I will preach in the very near future and I want to talk about the new birth the new birth and some may say well what does David has to do with the new birth you know what did oh, Nicodemus experience with Jesus uh, well uh, we'll try to connect it through the Davidic covenant the Davidic covenant when we say Davidic uh, we're speaking of, of David uh, you know King David uh, Davidic is just a kind of fancy theological way of expressing it it's an agreement that God made with David and so um, if you give me a moment uh, we'll get to a scripture or two it is mentioned in many scriptures at least three fundamental ones very um, declaratively uh, and so let me share with you that right now uh, at least you should jot down these three scriptures I try not to lose myself this afternoon and get too carried away the first scripture will be second Samuel the seventh chapter you know you, you need to read the entire chapter second Samuel the seventh chapter and the next scripture will be first Chronicles 17 11 through 14. Hey, I'm sure you're all very familiar with these passages. First Chronicles 17, 11 through 14. And then the third scripture uh, that is very explicit about the Davidic covenant would be 2 Chronicles 6 and 16. 2 Chronicles 6 and 16. And like I tell my Bible students, um, I, I, I just, <laughs> I just rather think of us as colleagues, <laughs> but then I know uh, for some kind of clarification, my students, our students, whatever. I, I like to, uh, I, I, mean, I mean that whatever, respectively. Uh, what I'm trying to say, I, I don't know. 
that much. Uh, but I try to share a little bit with folk. And what I would say to them and to us is that we have all these modern conveniences and it's going to get even, even more at our fingertips as time goes on. We're talking about virtual realities and all that kind of stuff. No, that's not as a It's here already, but just Google stuff. Just Google Davidic Covenant. Google it. It'll give you scriptures, give you different uh, commentaries that you can check out. And I give you all sort of stuff. Just keep on Googling, Googling it, and so forth. And uh, it's at our fingertips today. So that's why it says, I'm no more your teacher than, uh, you know, a traffic police person. You know, I just show people where they can go. But you're all, all scholars. Second Samuel. Uh, and I won't read all of that seventh chapter, of course. Uh, but I read a few lines from the beginning of the of, of, of Second Samuel, the seventh chapter. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, speaking about David, the king said to Nathan the prophet. Now Nathan is a very important guy. Uh, he is the one who went to David and told David, you messed up with Bathsheba. The, his name is almost certain was not Nathan per se, but he's known by that name as it is in many cultures, something to do with your life, maybe something important, something about you. You're given that name, not necessarily your birth name, because Nathan comes from, you know, the Hebrew, Nathan. There's a Hebrew verb, Nathan, it means to send, or message, becomes a messenger. Nathan, that's all we get, Nathaniel, the L, messenger of God. So I, I want to point that out because... Um, that's important to this Davidic covenant understanding. Um, but anyhow, um, and this is what he said. See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Read the old chapter and um, and I, I think you'll be, you know, you'll be very blessed by it. Now I want to share a couple more things as, as, as we go along. Um, the, the, the first Chronicles 17, 11 through 14. First Chronicles 17, 11 to 14. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offsprings after you, 
one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. Remember one thing I need to point out here. When I talk about sons and daughters, those are expressions that not necessarily mean one person. Uh, it's, a, it's a figure of speech. It's also uh, idiomatic. It's a way of speaking. It's your, your descendants to come. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his, and I shall establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be my son. I will not take any steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever. That, that uh, kingdom forever, that uh, holam is an important Hebrew word, you know, forever. And uh, that indicate in the context of this covenant that it's a covenant uh, Olam is, is, is an everlasting covenant. Um, uh, and as I, as I read a little bit more, and his throne shall be established forever, forever. Uh, like I said, there's a very deep understanding in the Hebrew and the scripture and a theological sense of this forever, this Olam. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Nathan, we say in English, spoke to David. Okay, so let's do one more thing. Um, um, Second Chronicles 6 and 16. Now therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep your servant David, my father, what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel, if only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk in my law as you have walked before. So essentially what I want to share with you this afternoon, we have been studying David and uh, we have also shared some sermon about David and you all know about all the shortcoming and the human nature of David and all that stuff. And I've been trying to be very careful that I kind of not put it in a way that it's not balanced. But being true to the text and being true to the scripture, although the scriptures constantly reminding us that we are humans and we are very dependent on God. But as I was saying even recently on 
Thursday night, Thursday night Bible class, where we spoke about the Davidic victory, the Davidic uh, triumph. This is what is a, is an outgrowth of this Davidic covenant. David became triumphant in all that happened in his life. When an outsider of, of, of not believing in Christ or not understanding how God works with us and our frailties and our imperfection and our humanness, he was, became triumphant. And because of that, we share the victory with David. Because as I shared on Thursday night, the book of Samuel, first book of Samuel concerning David really started in the book of Ruth. You, you know, you're doing it as a scholar, you're ignoring chapters and verses, and you look at what we call the last verse or last verses of the book of Ruth, or it ends, and you see from the line of Boaz, who clearly in the book of Ruth is uh, designated as a Goel. Goel, that means a redeemer because of what happened to Ruth and Naomi, how to go, uh, uh, Boaz, what was belonging to uh, Naomi was, um, was redeemed. So you see the strong connection more than metaphorical, very strongly symbolic, very important. I, 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 people who study Jewish literature and the Hebrew Bible and so forth, the Kabbalah, you know, the spiritual aspect, the symbolic aspect of what's in the, in, in the, in the Hebrew Bible. And I've tried to, to see some of that. And I had, I've had the privilege over the years to do research in that kind of symbolism that if you look at it from that way, you see so many things. It's more than a metaphor. It is metaphorical. It is symbolic. And, but it's deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual. So, uh, when you connect, uh, uh, scholastically uh, and linguistically out of the book of Ruth and then you understand what is the central message of the book of Ruth anyhow. You see that David's story started there because he is the descendant of Boaz to Jesse his father and he is part of this redemptive effort of God to restore to us what was stolen. Amen. Our rightful place with God. But then, through the man, through a man, through a man called Jesus, we have the victory. That is what I call a full understanding 
of the new birth. New birth is, is an, another aspect of spiritually understanding our redemption. You're born again, then you have been redeemed. You're born again through the blood of Jesus that came to the promise given to David, the Olam forever will never ever be taken away from us. More than just a metaphor for eternal life. Oh, it is something for us to rejoice about, give God thanks about, to shout about that God has given his word and no uncertain terms. David is on the throne forever because God has redeemed us by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to expand a lot more and so forth. Sermon in some time in the near future. And I'll call it the new birth. Hallelujah. So God thank you. Bless you. And we thank you so much for listening and for sharing with us.